Hey guys, it's Jen here. Welcome to part two of episode eight, where we cover the last four episodes of season two. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, and I hope you enjoy part two. Okay, what are we talking about next? I don't know. What do you guys want to talk about next? I've lost complete control of myself and you guys. So here's my question in terms of world building. Why was there a minefield on the East Coast? Excellent question. That's a good question. question. What the fuck is up with that? Why the fuck was there a minefield? And it was like a regular like road sign, like warning, (laughs) bumps bumps in the road. Not like, like, you know, it was like a regular road sign. It wasn't like some like... It wasn't like a military, like keep out, like testing facility or anything. It was just like watch out, like in the middle of lines, like like in the middle of conceivably like New York and New Jersey. I mean, New Jersey, I could understand because that place is a fucking dumpster. Ugh, I mean, to be fair. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, why the fuck is there a minefield there with like regular? caution and like why wouldn't you put a sign on both sides i don't know and the other thing is like okay so jaha's like let me let me go around with my stick and try to find mines like dude that is like the worst way to go find mines i feel like right like if you if you stick a stick into a mine it's gonna explode on you well it only explodes when you like take the pressure off oh take the pressure off so i mean i don't think the stick was heavy enough so it's like that thing in the in the Raiders of the Lost Ark where like he, exactly. you know, he has to switch the exact weight. Okay. You need yeah, you the need gold, the monkey the golden head. Yeah. The golden so monkey. here's my explanation. Yeah. It's 2052. Mm-hmm. Uh overpopulation, serious threat of everybody. So we're just thinning dying. the herd for people who can't read road signs? No. There is already wars. There's climate change, there is disruption, there is Holy mass shit. Mass relocation of people, and there's wars. And uh-huh. and if uh, did you guys read the the script of the pilot of what? No. Of the hundred. Like, dude, who has time to read? Well, the, I, the I, pilot, I didn't read the whole thing, but there was this the, thing. The, that, the script uh, of our posted. favorite show, whose pilot episode was the worst. Well, that's the thing that the script is actually has some very good parts. And, dude, where did uh, you find the script? People Someone want to posted know. it on Reddit. Oh, okay. Um, now you went you went deep on that one. <laughs> and then it, and it says that um, the bombs, the nuclear bombs, were actually just the last straw. Humanity was probably going to kill itself off anyway. Um, okay, so so I was just thinking about that today, Shaheen. And this just might be my my drunk thoughts. We, how many extinction events have there been on the planet Earth? Like seven. Uh, I thought about five. I thought it We're was We're heading towards another one, guys. I mean, we honestly are. Humanity is fucked. Anyway, <laughs> positive thoughts. Let's move on. So so that was the last straw, uh, according to the script. Yeah. I think it's said huh. from... Uh, I think Clark is saying it. Or is it a monologue or something? So it was never. It was a monologue that was never actually included in the pilot. Yeah, I think it might might have been like the part where she says, "It's been ninety seven years since you know." The, yeah, the, the intro to the, yeah. the the premise to the whole series or the conceit was set up in that monologue. Yeah, 
I don't even I know what his point is. What is your point? So your point is basically like humanity there are wars, the so there's minefield. There's a minefield. Yeah, in America, dude. Yeah, seriously. there was civil war in America. New Jersey was oh underwater. God. People were coming over to New York, and New Yorkers didn't want them, so they between what? like Yankees fans and Mets fans, I can't, <laughs> even, I can't even right now. I can't even. So uh, we we have to we have to move on, right. guys. This is I I really. At the beginning of this podcast, I said it was going to be the worst podcast ever. And I said, oh, well, I'm going to under-promise and we're going to over-deliver. We're not over-delivering, guys. This is the worst podcast on the face of the earth. And I fucking love it. Thank you, Shaheen <laughs> and Joe, for this journey. This is great. What do you guys want to talk about next? I think we need to talk about character arcs because I think they're, they're super-duper important. Joe, let's talk about some of your favorite character arcs. Um... Which, yeah, you got to move down. You got to move down the run sheet for that. Uh, which which one though? Like, I mean, do we talk about Bellamy? Do we talk about Lexa and Clark? Do we talk about Nico and Abby? Okay, like, so Lexa and Clark, real quick, hottest yeah. scene between the two was it the what is it was it the back Lexa up into the table scene or the kiss scene? Are you I asking for my like expert lesbian opinion? I'm asking for anyone's expert opinion, and it doesn't have to even be lesbian. Why does it have to go there with you, Joe? Why is it always because lesbianism with you? Why is it always straight and balls deep with you? Like, we, we are who we are, Jen. <laughs> we are who we are. So, for me, the hottest, the hottest scene was that back... Clark backs Lexa up into the table because, again, this goes back to their, their whole power dynamic where Lexa is always kind of backing Clark up, especially in the Tom DC decision. And this is the, the, like, the one time that Clark kind of imposes her will on Lexa. And Lexa's like, eh, you're right. I do care about people. I care about you, Clark. Puppy eyes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It was, that was hot. That was, it was hot. I mean, b both of like both of those scenes were like blocked really well, and you know they they did they did a good job. And I will again go on the record that until <laughs> that that like backing into a table scene, and even after the backing into a table scene, at first during the backing in the table scene, I was like, okay, like they're definitely like playing with something here. Goodness, and then it was wasn't the worst gator. Oh my god, Joe, I you have terrible the worst gator. gator. I got it this. Literally, I got this in the uh, in, in the Pana episode. I'm like. Oh, there something's happening between these two. No, but like and you're like boop a doop. <laughs> no, but see, so here's the thing: like uh, they they always like obviously Lexa is gonna have a thing for Clark. Like that part was yeah. pretty obvious. I was not expecting the like Clark kissing her yeah. back thing, and I think that that was like the like oh really. So um, so kudos to the 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 writers of the hundred for not saying oh I I'm into guys. Um. After the reciprocated kiss, I mean, yeah. let's face it, Clark was into it too. Clark's just like, oh, uh, not it's right now. Yeah, not right now. We're, we're kind of busy right now, Alexa. My agenda <laughs> is kind of full right now. We've I thought that was your pants. that is really that was really gutsy. Um, I didn't expect it. I mean, I expected it from Alexa, but Clark being bisexual was like. Okay, this is interesting. Um, it was telegraphed, not not telegraphed on Clark's side, but the whole relationship thing, like the sexual <clears throat> tension between these two, if you're watching the show and not Joe, um, was very apparent. <laughs> Actually, I'm with Joe, Jen. Oh I my god, you guys are the worst. But I'm like, a, I'm an oblivious I might be too thirsty. heterosexual, so I don't know. But 
I, I was, I, yeah, I think I, when Lexa said, I have feelings for you, that's the first time I was like, oh, okay. So that's the thing. <laughs> um, right. Cause like, there's the also, you know, there's like, like people see sexual tension between characters all the time and then yeah. it either happens or it doesn't. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, you're like, oh, that's a disappointment. And then, you know, so it's just like, you know, you made a prediction and it happened to be right. doesn't mean that there was anything there. Uh, I'm sorry, but I think a lot of people read a lot of sexual tension between these two. I mean, in Uh, retrospect, you you can see it, of course. No, in retrospect, no, like, what I said before was, like, after the Pawna episode, I'm like, I'm feeling something's happening here. Let me go check and see if other, let me go check the temperature of other random people on the interwebs. And I went to AV Club, and the top comment was like, there's sexual tension here. And everyone's like, right, yes. but like, but shows like, and again, like, not to use a term from Steve isn't three, but like, we, my people are used to being <laughs> quote unquote queer baited. So like, yes. they'll put in sexual tension on shows, yeah. but never actually follow through. So to say that like, oh, there's sexual tension, that means something's going to happen. Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, and that's a very important, I think that's a very important point right now um, in the reading of the show from a, from a uh, non-hetero perspective, um, because you're, you're used to just being baited and let down, right? Yes. Joe? Yes. And I'm not used to that. Like, I don't like, I'm used to getting what I expect and now what I expect, I'm like, oh, yeah, these two are going to get together and it's going to be completely fucking boring because most heterosexual power dynamics are fucking boring. Um, and and Joe, to your point, you were baited and let down at some point uh, with, this, yeah. with this show. Oh, little yeah. bit. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to I that. Mean, we'll get to that. You can't then. Say, I mean, you can't also can't say that then she should have never died. I mean, that wouldn't be. Yeah. No, that's not that. No, that's not what we're saying, Shaheen. Not yeah. in in a any way, shape, or form. Yeah. But there's there's a way to do stuff, and there's a way to absolutely not do stuff. Yeah. And and we'll get to that in season ten. Well, episode ten. Um, we won't really get into it because I want to maintain as. Uh, fair a read as possible, but I think that we, there might be a podcast where we do get into it. Um, that is outside of our of our season reviews because I think it's important for us to be as kind of impartial as we possibly can when it comes to social stuff. Mm-hmm. Although we've gone deep on social stuff in this podcast, and <laughs> I, well, I, I blame myself and the Scotch for it because you two have no that? control. Is there thunder? There is thunderstorm over here. Oh, yes. shit. I, I apologize, even though I have no control over it. But Damn it, Thor. I Get feel like shit I together. should apologize. Damn it, Storm. Monroe, <laughs> um, why don't you have control over this? So um, wait, so Shaheen, what's your, what's your character arc? Like, choose one. Um, Joe's one. taking over. I'm not in I am taking over. You're, you're I shit. We, I took over last week. I'll take over this week. <laughs> um... I want to do two of them. Oh God, Pick damn one. it! That's gonna Pick take one. two hours. Um. So as a as an uh, as a huge Ali fan, I'm gonna never stop talking about Ali from now on. Um. 
because she was in the one episode. I'm just going to pick her as my first um, character and fuck people who say she's not a character. Um, who says she's not a character? I don't know. Some people do. They're like, well, I don't know if Allie is a character. Um, um, she's most definitely a character and she's a great character. So fuck, fuck them sideways. <laughs> you I get like right fucking violent. Like <laughs> you get like half a dram of scotch in and you're like ready to like fisticuffs the world. Dude, we're not half a dram of scotch in. We're like countless drams of scotch in. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm like lit right now. Anyway, so she says that, um, time passes differently for her. And I think this is very important. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into this, but... Um, but you will. <laughs> um, but just keep this in mind that Ali experiences time differently. And in light of what we know from season three, we know why, right? Because she it has the uh, processing capacity to simulate the future. So uh-huh. there are certain things in the future that to her appear to be present. Um, for her, it's as as uh, apparent and as obvious uh, and as determined as the present or the past. Um, that, of course, depends how far into the future it is, depending on how far she can simulate. But yeah. um, there is a point in the future that she sees as being as vivid as the present moment. And that really influences how she makes her decisions. Uh, if, if you think about season three... Um, and what she knew about six months later. Um, Two months, it, if if you retcon whatever yeah, the fuck the writers are doing right now. It's that's even better if it's two months. It's closer. Um, but, yeah, so, like, to her, it's, it's as obvious as the present moment uh, or as fixed as the past. So that explains a lot of uh, what she does. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Hey, Joe and Shaheen, I want to get your opinion. Um, I really watched that Allie scene very, very uh, closely. Do you think she over-emoted in that scene? Yes. I yes, was thinking about you. that. Like, she, she didn't, like, like tie down her, her real Alliness until she, season yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. she smiled did, and she, she moved strange. I mean, she moved like She breathed being. too much. Um, How dare she? I feel like she does the, the, those things in season High three, five, too. Though. Um, not, not to the degree, like, she smiled in ways. She didn't seem as yes. sort of, like, confused by humanity. She smiled a She didn't do, like, the Different head smiles. dog tilt. Yeah, like, the dog hearing a weird noise tilt that she liked to do in season three. She just seemed now, way more human in her AI uh-huh. in season now, two. Now, credit to Erica, Sarah. She didn't know exactly... Where it was going. Yeah, she didn't know her... I, I'm con- I'm convinced that the writers and Jason Rothenberg didn't know exactly what they were going to do with no. her. No, that's because, a fact. That's a known fact. Because, guys, guys, when you saw the nuke at the end, what did you think that nuke was going to be? I knew it wasn't going to be what we, what, it wasn't going to be the the obvious. I'm I knew like, it oh, wasn't going to be that she wants to bomb shit. the world. I mean, if that were the case, I would have just stopped watching the show. So I was really, really hoping. So I think I was con- I convinced myself that that's not I, what she's I love doing. this Monday morning quarterbacking that Shaheen's doing right now. That, oh, well, I knew that they weren't going to do the obvious with that nuke. I was like, she's going to fuck some shit up with that nuclear bomb. Um, maybe yeah. Shaheen's just smarter than us, Joe. <laughs> I mean, okay. 
Anyway, my second character <laughs> thing uh, is about Lexa. Uh, I yeah. wanted to. I wanted to. Uh, I, I always had this reading of Lexa, and I don't know how controversial this is, but uh, I I always felt like he, she always planned to reach a point where uh, she basically abolishes juice drink, juice down. Um, she was working towards that from the very beginning. And um, she was mm. being very political about it and very smart about it. Um, because instead of, uh, you know, coming out right away and saying, juice drain, no juice down, um, Although I'm confused if it's juice drain, no juice down, or juice, no drain, juice down. Because that's how Clark says it, but that sounds wrong. Anyway. <laughs> um, We're so pedantic. She, um, she's not going to come out and say that. Instead, what she tries to do is uh, reassign that sentiment to something more moderate or more appropriate. Like, she starts off by accepting one life in place of 18. Uh, and, you know... Um, allowing justice um, to be something uh, more abstract than you killed 18 people so you need to feel the pain of 18 deaths she was like well just killing that's enough right um, and then you know in the uh, in in the I guess part one of the two part finale she um, she says we spare the innocent as for the guilty, juice strangers down. So she's trying to sort of bring the grounders, the grounder culture, show them a new paradigm of not completely forgetting juice strangers down, but um, reassigning it to something more appropriate and more moderate and more peaceful. Um, okay, which, so which is, I you know, what a lot of politicians do. And I think she's doing a good job of it. When she accepted Cage's uh, Cage's proposal, you mean? Uh, no, when they were planning their attack, um, they were like, this is a rescue mission. We're not going to kill all of them. And then yeah. Lex Lexa says, uh, as Clark said, we spare the innocent. As for the guilty, juice strain, juice down. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas for, you know, normally for a grounder, it would be, mm -hmm. uh, let's open the door and let him burn. Let's just kill yeah. all of them. Right, uh, that that would be the meaning of juice strain, juice down for for a grounder before Lexa. Um, so she's trying to reassign the meaning of that. Um, that we're just gonna select a subset of these people and and you know attribute guilt to them, and then we're gonna kill them. So she's which you might say is also kind of arbitrary, but that's more I, I suppose that's more humane. Yeah. I mean, I think if if she's looking at it in terms of like military versus civilian casualties, then like yeah. it's reasonable. Like she's just she's not being a dick about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely like by our moral standards is definitely, I mean, obviously just wiping a population out is if we had a person who advocated that, you know, we would never consider them even a um morally like not only not fit to be a leader, but like we wouldn't even consider them morally mature enough to even be, you know, among us. If oh. they thought that we should go and like wipe out Unless an entire. Lex has kind of been set up as this progressive, and this is, these are Kane's Kane's words: progressive leader. I mean, um, he says revision. Uh, sorry, visionary. A vision, visionary. Yeah. Um, so she does kind of set up this. She she does kind of back Clark's 
you know, we spare the innocent type of thing, but we, we take revenge on the guilty, um, which, I mean, when you're talking about a population that's confined to one small specific area on the map, it's going to be awfully tough to go, oh, that person's innocent and that person's guilty. So make sure your sword hits the right person. Um, I, I think it's a good thought in theory, but in practice, it's not really practi- practical. Um, do you feel the same way about actual wars in the real world? So, again, I mean, if you think about drone strikes and sometimes they hit innocent people, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, I mean, it's, the, hard to, it's hard to take a stance on that. that I mean, the criterion is that it shouldn't be the there are three criteria for it. Right? That it shouldn't you shouldn't be targeting the civilians and it yeah. should the operation must be absolutely necessary. And the gain, the military gain must be proportional to the civilian loss. But again, Shaheen, let's call back to what Maya says when she's dying. She says, none of us is innocent. They're all complicit, mm-hmm. either through inaction. That's why I said it's kind of arbitrary. I mean, that's a, yeah, on a philosophical it's, level. It's arbitrary to, you know, who is guilty here and who's not. Yeah, but morally, it's hard to, 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 to take a stance. Mm-hmm. Morally, yeah. you're like... Oh, I mean, fuck. I mean, I can't I can't necessarily come down on one side or the other because it's the gray area. And again, this show does gray area so well. Um, like you can't make a decision. Mhm. I feel like the um like obviously Joe, I, Joe, I felt like you were like Joe, you you set up that this was going to be your podcast to be smart. Did I? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, you fucking did. What's your opinion, Joe? Yeah, John, um, and 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 have a citation for your opinion. Go. Wait, my opinion on what? Do you I agree don't even with my know. interpretation of Lexa? I mean, I think that she is moving away from uh, blood must not have blood, or moving away towards. I guess blood must not have blood. I mean, mm. I think I think that you could definitely find that in in the text. Um, what I found interesting in terms of her interactions, I guess with with Clark was, and again, like paying attention to it a bit more um, now in these rewatch is uh, she like the whole, you were born for this Clark, same as me. Um, You know, we like learned about the whole night blood thing and, you know, like she was born for this destiny or whatever. Um, But kind of seeing the way that she plays between being the commander and being Lexa, um, I think we saw a lot, or maybe I'm reading into it, that she kind of hates being the leader sometimes. Um, oh. She, ex- she I accepts think, I that she is good does, at it. I think everybody does, though, Joe. Right. Is that but kind think, of like what's set up in season two? Is like the being the leader kind of sucks. Right. Being the leader kind of sucks, but like she arguably has a fucking birthright for it, as opposed to Clark, who yeah, she has found that. herself in sort of this situation. Um, and so. Wait, but, I, I, but Joe, time out. Clark found yeah. herself in this situation or Clark put herself in this situation? I mean, go. she. Go. Um, I mean, I'm saying found herself in the situation of like she was sent to Earth and put in a situation where this latent skill of hers that nobody, that she probably never would have like figured out. Um, or maybe she would have later on in life. Oh, she, like, she t- was kind of, dude, what? try hard is as try hard does. She would have been a try hard on the arc as she is on the earth. 
Yeah, that but, that's that's my opinion of Clark. But when but she might not have like been she might not have chosen to be chancellor. Like she might not have like become the leader of her people. Um but I I guess in terms of like Lexa's arc, I could definitely yeah. see her kind of moving away from uh blood must have blood, but also in sort of parallel running to that also kind of hating her own sort of position within this world. Like she I, didn't, she didn't uh, want to betray Clark. Like she, she didn't want to have to make that decision. And I think once we get into season three, we kind of, you know, she realizes that that was actually kind of the wrong decision in terms of, you know, expecting to leave these people yes. to their death. And it turns out whoopsie daisies, they all lived. And now everyone thinks Lex is weak, but you know, if we just talk yeah. about season two, yeah. um, she definitely didn't want to betray the delinquents, the hundred, um, Sky Crew. Uh, but no, no she-, she didn't. And 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 let's be clear about that. Something that wasn't shown, and this is this frustrates me. I don't know if it frustrates you guys, but y'all know kind of the backstory of of the stuff that wasn't shown or didn't have like explanation to it. Oh yeah, that- like they were supposed to be like gunned down and like really kind of show that. Yeah. Things were not going to go well for the grounders. Like, like the mountain men were entrenched in a tunnel or something like that with guns out, um, uh, that there was no way that they could have gotten past, um, the, the, uh, mountain men in any sort of way. And I guess, I guess it was like, well, that's um, kind of a given a financial I mean, thing that they could do that scene. I mean, you know, pretty much as a, uh, military leader who's, any military leader who's worth their salt knows that when you're going like, through... Like Shaheen is. Like Shaheen, yes, exactly. Um, it, that you're going through this... You're being funneled through this fucking narrow path uh, where on the other side there are machine guns. Uh, that's not going to be an easy task. Yeah, but the thing is with the show is... Okay, so maybe they didn't have budget to actually create that scene... But there was never exposition to explain away. So there was a lot yeah. of there was a lot of um, internal stuff that I had to do to justify Lex's decision to myself. And I hate that the show made me do that. And I think the show makes us do that a shit ton in season three. Um, you know, I, well, I know you could say philosophy- that about a lot of characters. I think the point is that there is always enough to fill in. To make yeah. sense of what that character does, but Shaheen, uh, to it's understand like that they certain... have a perspective. But there there's are not pivotal... enough time to uh, uh, explain like everything but, every character thinks about. Yeah, I I agree with that, Shaheen. But there are pivotal plot points that cannot be left to internal justification. Like I think a lot of it depends on how you feel about the character. Like you might have felt strongly about Lexa, so you mm-hmm. felt like she didn't give the uh, she didn't get the uh, justification that she deserved. Um, and, you know, I might feel that way about Allie. I feel like she was presented as this evil thing and she could have said a lot in her defense that wasn't, was never said. And so, I think you could make this, the same, same argument for, um, Bellamy in season or, three. Yeah. Or Pike. We or, know yeah, there a was a lot of shit left on the cutting room floor for justification for actions. And I think there are some pivotal moments in, in each season where if we just got like a minute's worth of dialogue, it would have gone yeah. a long way to getting off, getting us over the, the hump and the intellectual justification that we needed to do yeah. to, 
um, empathize with some of these characters and understand their motivations. Yes, I agree. Okay. So glad we're all in agreement. <laughs> but I think that Lexa's betrayal was um, uh, actually, for me, I was always, I mean, I didn't see it coming and it was, uh, I, I, it left me wondering um, how I feel about Lexa, but I never felt like I don't understand at all why she did this. I always felt like, oh yeah, this, I, I see why this is a smart move. I also think you're an asshole. Um, so, <laughs> like Clark in that scene was just like, like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> She's like, well, wait, what? What? <laughs> I kind of so what I what I kind of got out of that, like at the time, again, like at that point, we had no idea that Lexa was coming back or anything like that. It honestly just felt like just pile more shit on top of Clark. Like, yeah, that was kind exactly. of where that storyline went, where it was like, all right, Clark, how are you going to get out of this one? Also, like, she was, like, being lowered into a tank, and they've, like, added <laughs> sharks to the tank, and lit the surface on fire, and her hands are bound behind her back. Like, it was, like, it was just upping and upping and upping and upping and being like, okay, go for it. So, um, Clark, this is the worst day of your life. Um, go. Yeah. <laughs> also, sharks, also fire. Yeah, sharks and fire. I think it's... It, but Joe, I think a Sharknado would be more appropriate. Like, so she's in a tank of sharks, but there's like a Sharknado skimming the top. So even if she makes it to the surface, she's going to be like facing Sharknado. You've given this some thought. <laughs> no, this is just the scotch talking at this point. <laughs> so I need, I need to talk about something that will be divisive. Okay. Okay. Are you guys good with that? So, right, cuz if believe... we weren't, you would shut the fuck up. Wait, what? Uh, if we weren't okay with it, you would you would gracefully back down. <laughs> no, you guys know better than that. So, to me it's pretty obvious that season 2 is very focused on uh Clark and her decisions that that are made throughout um the season and th the stuff that she needs to do as a leader. Uh, whether the seasons are good or bad, or, or, or I'm sorry, the decisions are good or bad. Wow, it is thundering. Do you in need Pittsburgh to take right cover, Shaheen? <laughs> <laughs> I think that it do you need a shelter in place, guys, dude? Than it does to me. Um, it's it's raining right here now in Houston. Um, so, but it's not thundering. It's just raining. It'll probably flood because it's Houston, and that's just how we do. Um, but I I feel like. There's a lot of, um, I don't know if there's a lot of discussion, but for me, I feel like the discussion to radiate Mount Weather and kill everybody is Clark's decision and her decision alone. Um, a lot of people want to attach Bellamy, most of all, and then Monty, you know, tertiary or, or you know, secondarily to that decision. To me, it's like, Clark set herself up on this road to um, this showdown with both Dante and Cage when she sent Emerson, Carl Emerson Mountweather to security detail back to Mountweather um, with her message that she started a game of chicken that neither she nor Dante or Cage could come back from. And they just kept ramping it up, ramping it up, ramping it up. I was, I think I was more shocked with her killing Dante than I was her 
uh, irradiating level five. Because that was a very personal choice for her. Just like shoot dude in cold blood. Uh, what do you guys think about her shooting Dante? I was going to say that I think we need to make a distinction between who made the decision and who's uh, guilty of it. Um, because obviously it, the, it wouldn't have been possible without Mo Monty. And yeah. obviously Bellamy endorsed it and helped uh, shoulder the, the guilt. So but I, I, I think, though, that Joe makes a very, very good point when she says that Bellamy doesn't really make that de that decision to pull the lever until he sees that Octavia yeah. is in danger. Yeah. Again, I mean, that's like, macro for him, versus like micro pushes decisions. him over the edge. Yeah. I think he is obviously on the edge. He's trying to talk Clark out of it. But then... But then that doesn't, then that doesn't but, mean that he's he, on the edge. He was firmly in the other camp. And then was like, "Oh shit, my sister! Let me let me put my hand on yours, uh -huh. Clark." Yeah, the guys, <laughs> but guys, the the thing was that Clark to Bellamy specifically yeah. said, "Give me an another decision. Tell, give me another plan." Right. So throughout, like I so so I I wa I've watched the finale like at least five times, and I've watched it from many different perspectives, and I tried to be as even keel as possible when it comes to okay who makes the actual decision versus who's in who's in the passenger seat and who's riding like you know in the in the back seat to this this whole decision to me i believe that clark was this was a decision that clark made that she was never going to be talked out of um by bellamy or monty so this was her decision the the actual pulling of the lever and bellamy kind of like jumping in there was just Bellamy going, oh, Octavia's in danger. So let me support you in this decision, Clark. But Clark I, was n never going to be put off this road unless somebody came up with a better decision that could save her mom and the rest of their people. Um, can I ask, why is this so important? Whose decision it is? I, because... Because because a lot of, because a lot of people like to put the leadership position as a co leadership position on Clark and Bellamy, when I think it's obvious to me, and maybe it's just my bias coming through that Clark, like the whole journey of leadership in season two, is Clark's journey towards leadership. And I think I, I think that um, maybe you and those people are talking past each other. Um, because you mean one thing by that and they mean something else. So, um, obviously everyone at this point agreed, uh, you know, the moment Clark said, I'm in charge here and Abby caved, um, everyone agrees that for the perp, as far as fighting this war with Mount Weather is concerned, um, Clark is the decision maker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that was, again, to me, the, to me this but, is obvious though, guys, I mean, why set obvious, up the whole dynamic but, between Lexa and Clark talking about leadership ad infinitum for several episodes if it's not about Clark's journey and her, her ultimate fall as a leader? Making a, a decision that, but I think uh, that when a kills her personally. Says, a person who says that the, the Clark and Bellamy are co-leaders uh, is looking more uh, broadly as the, at, at the entire show. The entire series, never, and they're saying Shaheen, there he are never makes a decision with Clark, though. 
in season two. There are two. situations he, when, well, in, I mean, right. So this part of season two is, is, is one thing, but there are situations where Bellamy makes the decisions. Oh, there yeah. are situations I, I when Kane makes that. decisions or, you know, so I, but the way I see it, I, I just see a bunch of people who, who are leaders um, and they have different, uh, they're responsible for different departments or, you know, different factions or whatever. Um, and they come and go at different times. They, they take charge and then they, they um, hand it to someone else. Well, um, or go hang out lines, in the jungle though, and, Be- and, and, and Joe, feel free to Feel free to jump in here. Do you think that anyone could have talked Clark out of her decision to radiate level five once she saw that Abby was in danger? I mean, I think she tried to talk Cage out of out of that decision multiple times. I think, honestly, like I put the blame. I, I, disag- I disagree with that, though. I think Clark and Clark set herself up for her ultimate failure and failure in a in a personal sense rather than. You think a, that she should have sacrificed everyone in that room? No, I mean, I think when she sent when she sent Carl Emerson back. Um, with her message to Mount Weather, I think she set herself on the path of playing a deadly game of chicken with the Wallaces and herself. Like, I don't think she, I don't think she realized at that point in time what she was setting in motion. Well, I think, I think no one would have expected uh, Cage not to cave. Like, his sort of steadfastness in refusing to, like, work with Sky Crew and, like, figure something out, I put the blame on him. I think that Clark was in a no-win situation. She did, like, she gave him multiple outs. I mean, she also made sure of that. Sorry, she also made sure of that by killing Dante. I mean, at that point, there was no coming back. Um, Yeah. And and that was why why Cage put Abby on the bed, and that's... I feel like, like you were saying how... Uh, Octavia's presence changed Bellamy's mind. I think Abby being uh, under the drill was definitely a factor in Clark's decision. um, And and, and Cage knew that too. Yeah. Because Cage did that after Clark killed Dante. Right. So it's like tit for tat at that point. You kill my father, I'm going to kill your mother. Right. Again, this game of chicken that, and and Dante says it, it's like Dante at, at some point says, neither of us have a choice here, Clark. Mm-hmm. Like this path was set in motion. The decisions were set in motion far prior to any of the things that happened yeah. in uh, in in any of these four episodes that we're discussing. Yeah. Again, great statement of perspectivalism. You know, it's basically saying if Dante was our main character, uh, you would have sympathized with him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um because every decision that he made was basically given the, the choices that he was given, you can't say it was a bad decision. Uh, but but the, here we here we are, and this is where he ended up. Um, I, and and I, I wanna, Shaheen, now, now I want to say something that's, that's divisive. Well, Shaheen, before you say something that's divisive, <laughs> okay. I want to ask you: Do you think that Dante is the most moral person in season two, given his perspective? Oh wow! I don't know. The, I mean, I don't. Uh, that would in, uh, that would involve me deciding what the right thing to do was, and uh, I don't know if I'm in a position to do that. Um, but I think that in terms of 
um, moral ambitions, if, if that's what you're asking, I think that uh, he's probably not really different from Clark or um, Kane or any of the other people of Jaha or any of the people that we know. I feel like they're all in the same predicament um, in a way. And they, they all kind of want to do uh, what they consider to be in the interest of the greatest number of people. Jesus Christ, Shaheen, what is happening in Pittsburgh? Shelter in place, guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry about this. Yeah, it um, happens. Weather. Or, or at least their own people. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so what, I, was I a, think... what was a divisive thing that you wanted to say right. to me so we can have saltiness and, and fight, fight, battle, fight, <laughs> as the Houston um, Texans would say? I just wanted to say that um, going off of the point that Abby being on the bed really influenced Clark's decision and made her yeah. uh, make a hasty decision, in my opinion. Because if you kind of remove that factor, if you just think of it as, all right, someone is on the bed, but, you know, whatever, there are people, my people are being killed. Um, and I have, they're being killed at this rate. So I have this much time to do mm-hmm. something. And that would have probably been hours. Um, and you know, oh, I, I disagree. And, I don't think after Clark saw Fox, her her dead body just kind of like limply being dumped, mm-hmm. and then I I agree with you that I think the immediacy was very present for Clark once she saw uh, Abby on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think she. But I mean, like, we know that they oh, take well, eight. Let, let Raven die. Let this dude die. Let this girl die. I, I mean, sure. Was- I mean, as opposed to let 380 people die. I mean, sh- of course. I mean, your your person. She has personal connections to them, but um, doesn't she- make them more. Uh, there doesn't make their life worth more. I mean. She has but a she choice. She, unlike unlike Maya, she doesn't have personal connections to the people in Mount Weather. Okay, right, and I consider that to be a, a moral flaw. Of if you if that's what you're interesting. If that's your that's explicitly your consideration, like she is at a, in a situation where she has to explicitly consider this. This is not a situation like oh, there are people who need help, and I don't know them. Maybe I should, you know. Uh, this is like, I, I have, right now I'm at this juncture, I have to pull the switch, either um, the trolley goes down this path or mm-hmm. goes down that path. And under this path, five people die. Under that path, one person dies. And, you know, I, I you know, now, now she's thinking, there's no way that this is not explicit in her head that... I am going to kill these five people because I care so much about that one person. I am I'm partial with respect to that one person, so I'm going to let all these other people die. Even though I have friends who are, you know, as partial with respect to those people as I am with respect to my mom. Um, but because it's not my girlfriend, you know, it's fine. Uh, I can ignore that. So at that point, you know, that has to be the way that she's thinking. Otherwise, it, it has, she must be thinking, all right, deep breath. They're killing Raven, but if the choice is let Raven die or kill 300 innocent people, um, maybe I should think this through and maybe there's a way. Like, I have, I have this much time because, you know, they, they take eight doses from each person and that um, 
that we've seen how much time that takes. So you have so much time to, you know, you can devise a plan, infiltrate level five, uh, re-establish re, uh, re contact with Jasper for, for fuck's sake, see what he's up to. Maybe he yeah. has a plan, you know, and, and tell him to do his plan better. I mean, uh, what was that about? I mean, the, the plan was actually pretty good because that guy, the uh, Sergeant Lee, he had a gun and he was in the dorm, so... <laughs> He could have like. I'm sorry, Shaheen. I would never. I would never shove my my chips all in on Jasper. Have you seen that dude? <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay, so. But but the point is that some yeah. something like Jasper's plan could have worked. Like they could have sent yeah. Bellamy in, uh, infiltrate level five, and you know try to kill Cage and take over the dorm, and then hopefully there will be a leadership vacuum. Uh, or they will so, just decide to change course. So Jasper had himself in one guard versus Cage and like how many guards were there, Joe? How, what, what's your take on this? I mean, look, they got through. They got they, they got Bellamy to infiltrate Mountain Weather. No, they they no, went no, no, through no, no, trash no, no, shoots. No. They went through this and that. They, there was there would have been a way. There could have been a way to no. get into level. I mean, your your choices. There could have, but there wasn't enough time have. for them to see there, if one I mean, of these plans Shaheen, Shaheen, again, we have the we have the narrative bias of knowing what Jasper's plan I'm not, was. I'm not drawing on any information that Clark didn't have. Nor did I. Clark, in Clark the case had of, no idea that Jasper was free and could get, and that, get, that's, get out of whose his fault handcuffs. is that? Whose fault is that? She should have contacted her the rest of her team. I mean, when when you're out of options, you contact, you regroup, you contact with, make contact with the rest of your team, and you ask them, "What do you think we should do?" You don't just. She go, didn't have that luxury. She didn't have a radio to talk to Bellamy at that time. Bellamy was already in play doing whatever Bellamy was doing. Like you're. You mean Jasper? You're you're like she didn't have the information, right? I mean, Joe. What information? Here? Look, what I'm saying is she should have taken a deep breath and started to think about a new plan. And that and and we know that there could have been another plan because Jasper had one. I mean, he sucked at Jasper's at, plan was shit. No, Jasper's no, no, plan that's exactly was what shit. I'm saying. Jasper's I mean, plan is, was great. Jasper, actually, little, little wafy Jasper, like, oh, I'm gonna overpower. Uh, I, I'm going to kill a room full of guards. Yeah, Cage. No, no, no. And he wasn't going to kill. He, he had an armed. He had an armed ally. He had the Sergeant Lee was with him. Versus in the how room. many other people? Cage had. There himself. was there was just the Cage. Doctor. There was just Cage guards. and a couple of guards, and uh, they could have Versus easily two taken. People. They could have Versus easily taken. People. They could have tried. I mean, your your choice is try to take three people. You know, to, and and you have armed allies. Um, and and. Clark was privy to none of this. None of Clark what? Saw she knew they her had mom armed on the table. The, Clark saw her mom on the table, and if you saw like the scene where they they showed like how many samples they had already taken from from Abby, it was like six. But that's maybe? what I'm saying. That's one person who's dying. But it's Clark's mom again. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So she that's what makes her decision questionable. She's she's. It, pref, pref, if she's her, preferring if, if her, her mom's decision is questionable, then people. all of Be Bellamy's decisions are questionable as well. Like everyone's of course, decision. Yeah. I'm like, just saying that it, I don't agree that uh, Clark's decision was the only choice, and she had no other choice. She likes to say that, but that's not true. She just didn't take the time 
to think it through. It's not true that she had no, there's, there are always other choices as long as you have time. The only time there is no other choice is when you have no time. And this is not one such situation because she had plenty of time. As long as she was willing to sacrifice some of her people in, you know, instead of 300 innocent people. Yeah. Well, again, we're going down a rabbit hole. I think we need to talk about the other narrative that's taking place that we kind of like haven't concentrated on it, it is uh, Jaha and, and Murphy and how interesting and great and visually distinctive it was from the rest of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, so, so Joe, talk to us a little that bit. That ties about- to Joe's favorite quote. Tell us your favorite yeah, quote, exactly. Joe. It does. It does. Uh, you know, so favorite quote was actually uh, <laughs> Murphy saying, your promised land sucks. Murphy um, is so great. To Jaha. Which I, I especially enjoyed because it it could be applied to the entire experience of Earth. Like the all of the Arkers were promised that one day they would return to the ground and that like it would be great and they wouldn't have to breathe recycled air anymore and it would be awesome. Meanwhile, they return to the ground. Jasper gets like <laughs> a spear thrown through him. Like everyone dies. Clark kills everyone. Um, and, you know, yes, the promised land that Jaha has tried to lead them to in terms of the City of Light sucks uh the land that clark and lexa and the mountain men are fighting over sucks it's just all terrible and i appreciated that from murphy um Mm. joe and shaheen did you guys like like the whole fucking visual of the the minefield and them like just sitting in place and waiting for the sandstorm to pass uh-huh. That was so fucking beautiful. I me. know. Every everything with the dead zone is just amazing. I really I loved how after the like I think that they they blew up and then they came back to the minefield but they still if you watched it you could still hear um sort of the ear ringing like if you listen to the to the audio in that like you could hear like this sort of disorientating yeah. um Yeah, like they did a really sound, good job. And they like faded in and out of that. I thought that was like a really really great. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I love like the after after the minefield explodes and they come back to the scene and they're covered in dust from the sandstorm and they're all kind of white and and uh stationary. I tried to find there's like an image in my mind of that um in art that I think I've seen of like white like kind of creepy statues. Um that whole like visual aesthetic is so different from the shit that's going on with um, the grounders and Mount Weather that I really appreciate. Um, I think that's generally true about this show is just when they switch like from in either part to another, like from the ground to Mount Weather or from de- the dead zone to, you know, it's just, it's just the shock and it, it feels great because it looks so different, but it looks good. So, well, you know. I, I mean, if you're, if they're chasing the city of light, then shouldn't they be lit in gold the entire time? Like, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what they, you know, they had some, some fun with color temperature, which I think mm-hmm. is, did, you know, visually, did you what? guys have any trouble identifying what the, uh, the array of solar panels was like, I didn't understand. Like when I first watched it, 
I didn't know what it was when I first saw it. Like I couldn't visually, I couldn't process what it what it was supposed to be. I mean, I, I'm curious. after we saw the panels. Uh, yeah, I, I'm like uh-huh. I, to me, it looked like a city, but I didn't. I, I didn't know what it was supposed to be. Like I'm yeah. like. I did not. Uh, it, it didn't. It didn't click with me that it was uh, a solar panel array. Mm. Well, because usually we don't put solar panel farms on the east coast. But I guess. The, oh, oh, really? You know, you know society real estate has... along the coast. Joe is not solar panels. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to tell anyone how to do their job, but I guess maybe we're also supposed to assume that uh, you know global warming, blah blah blah, and somehow that there's sunlight all the time and not winter, um, you know, on the East Coast now, which, okay, I guess. <laughs> well, all I right. think for me, aesthetically, like, I found the dead zone and alley and the lighthouse so distinctly It had jarring. so much promise. It had so much promise. But it, but I think it fulfilled its promise, though, in season three, though, Joe. No, I wanted to stay there. Like, I wanted to really? stay in this, like, crazy-ass mansion. Like, I wanted more of that. Like, yeah. so is Murphy going to... Wait, here's the <laughs> question. Like, is Murphy going to take everyone back to his fucking bunker? Like, he's going to choose and be like, so I've got these... So I've got a bunker. I've got oh some God. liquor and a motorcycle. <laughs> Holy, wait, like, motorcycle? What are you talking about, motorcycle? There was a motorcycle in there. Are you fucking serious? No, there was totally a red <laughs> motorcycle, like a cruiser, probably some sort of expensive ass Harley, like chilling Dude, down there because the guy who like owned it. Oh There's my god, to- I've yeah. watched the finale like thirty times and I I missed that. I guess I must have been like, you just oh, that's a lot of you wine. Look over it. <laughs> um, um, clearly, I find that uh, we show our predilections. You so, are thirsty, and so guys, like this show, I find the vestiges. Like the remnants of our world, so visually jarring. Yeah, that it's. That's what I was going to say, Jen. I was going to say that I find that the visuals of the Dead Zone um, constantly r- remind me of uh, this is humanity's past and this is humanity's future. You know, like huh. to, to obviously to the characters, they're constantly reminded of um the past i mean everyone is kind of being affected by the by the apocalypse but um jaha and his team are the only ones who are um directly you know experiencing the remnants of that the the disaster with their um flesh and bones and but guys though like walking into the lighthouse and walking into that mansion i was like this does not fit with the show. That's what I. That's what I felt like at the time. Like this is so um, dissonant from the rest of the show. Like, I guess I bought into the grounders, the savages, and savage culture, and then I see this lighthouse with a, a, a like a like wine selection and crackers <laughs> and scotch, and then the the mansion with um, furniture. Like nice furniture I, in an alley. It's so I mean, weird. I think that, that was kind of the best part, though, is to see crusty John Murphy like <laughs> find this bunker, and like he like he finds this wealthy, wealthy, crazy guy's like man cave. 
Yeah. Like of all things, like there's a motorcycle and wine and a TV and leather. And like, it's this whole thing. And like, he has found paradise. Yeah. Except it turns out that when you're locked, like, but then it turns out when you're locked in paradise and forced to watch a suicide over and over, like it's not great. Um, (laughs) But like, I, I, I love that it was John Murphy who sort of like this, this was his promised land. Yeah. And I it mean, still sucks. This is again um to It still sucks. <laughs> to uh draw on my analogy from last time. Uh this is the positive nihilist's promised land. It's this world just right here the pleasure of the present moment. Um and you know, so that's it's very fitting that that's where he stops and that's where he takes off that's where he uh, parts ways with Jaha because Jaha is looking for a better world. Um, so, you know, the Knight of Fate is looking for a better world, but the, the nihilist, the positive nihilist, uh, will just stay and, uh, and affirm this present moment. But I mean, John is kind of surrounded by the, the creature comforts that they haven't been afforded on earth. I mean, he's got a fucking pool table guys. I mean, or the ark, like crackers and scotch. What more do you need? Um, and like Jaws, um, Jesus Christ. I mean, his whole, his whole journey, he is so willing to sacrifice anybody and anything for his vision. And I don't, I don't understand at this point. I don't understand. Like, why he has so much faith in this thing that until the very end of, of the um, finale, he, he hasn't seen the, the actual manifestation of his beliefs. Mm-hmm. Well, that what, that's what makes him the night of faith. If you had seen it, that wouldn't be faith. That would just be. But so he's, he's blindly following kind of this, this, this journey of faith I mean, he sacrifices people left and right for his his beliefs in something that might not exist. But yeah. he believes but, that it does. But the way that he sees it, the only other option is we kill each, we keep killing each other off. And, you know, he's not exactly wrong about that. So he would rather gamble on this one. Yeah, but I mean, what is he gambling on, though? I mean, at, at this point in time, he doesn't know that Allie exists. The City of Light is this rumored thing. A- and then when he actually sees what he thinks is a City of Light, it's just like uh, right, a solar array. You have to like see it from, from his sort of perspective, which is like he has to believe that it's better than what he's experiencing now. Like he believes that where they are at right now is rock fucking bottom and yeah. that anything else is better. But how does he know this? I, mean, if, if I, I, I guess it goes it, back this to is your night of, of faith, though, Shaheen. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, this is the kind of choice that Jaha has always been presented with. There's mm-hmm. on, on the one hand, you have um, what looks like certain death, complete annihilation of your people and possibly humanity in general. Um, I mean, he is not really... He's... He, he's he's not a partialist. He he cares about humanity, um, and on the on the one hand you have complete annihilation of humanity. On the other hand, you have um, some really really unlikely um, possibility. This really thin 
chance that you might save your people. And he's always been forced into a situation where he has to take that leap of faith. And, you know, we saw in the flashback in season three where he talks about how sending the the hundred to the ground was a leap of faith for him, too. I mean, that's, yeah, that's all Jaha does is fucking leaps of faith. Yeah. And it kind of, I I think that that's something that we're going to like, I I wonder how much more cautious his character is going to be in season four, having like done, you know, these huge, huge, like, again, leaps of faith throughout the first three seasons and it all ended horribly. And so is he going to be a much more cautious character? Is he going to be like even more of a fucking zealot? Like yeah. all of this was trials. Well, Jonathan, it would have been it, fine. It, it ended Clark horribly in our perspective, but like right. his leaps of faith were correct. That's that's the weird thing. I, well, yeah, except until the whole alley thing, and I think that like he, I wonder what it's gonna, what he's gonna reconcile. Like, well, the the alley thing sort of, was gonna be fine if Clark hadn't fucked it up. Oh, for fuck's goddamn sake! Fucking he, Clark! He, How for dare the first she? time, for for the first time in ever, he un, re, he united everyone. Um, it, under brainwashing. <laughs> well, uh, that's very good that's, point. You know, very that's good where point, we. Joe. Very good that's point. just a little detail. That's where we have to like stop and really talk about that because, um, you know, that I have a lot to say about that. Not I'm today. Sure, I'm sure you do. Yeah. But we're like we're like going in. So far, Joe is officially sick of us. So let's get into yeah, interesting. Let's, do it. let's get into interesting tidbits, tomfoolery, and shenanigans. I mean, we've we've skipped a lot in this podcast because we've gone down some rabbit holes. And Joe's like, "I'm done with you guys. Um, how do I quit this non-paying part-time job that I have?" Yeah, right. Like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right, tidbits. Yeah. So I guess, Joe, you, you could start. Oh, I have to, I have to like, go first? Well, um, I mean, you might as well, bitch. So, okay, so one thing that I noticed was Jasper repeatedly telling people that they were going to be okay or that like, he would protect <laughs> them. And, like, that has become as much of a death sentence as sleeping with Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Jasper is, tells Fox, it's going to be okay. And then, and she dies. Dead. Yeah, no, anytime, <laughs> anytime some, like, extra that you've never seen has a line and they talk to Jasper, it's not going to end well. Like, and it's like, that's so awesome because that never happens on other shows. It's like, every time a character says, you're going to be okay, it's always okay. true. And I'm like, how do they know that? They, you don't know that. You're just whistling Dixie here. Uh, and, and in this Dixie, case, look at look at Shaheen breaking out the, with the colloquialisms. colloquialisms. <laughs> that's that's actually a line from Fargo. Um, so it's like you know, it, it, there has to be at least sometimes when they actually end up dying, and this this is great. All so, of them happen with Jasper. She does, and, and Every... they they save her once. So you're like, oh man, this happened again. Like just because he said you're gonna be okay, uh, he, she has to be saved now. And then she dies in the next episode, so not that it's, I'm yeah, enjoying that. Don't but. don't trust Jasper's reassurances. Don't trust Clark's bedroom eyes. <laughs> These are the lessons of the hundred. So basically, do not get on Clark's agenda. No, but here's here's my question. So what if Jasper 
tells Clark she'll be okay. And then Clark seduces Jasper. Is that like putting buttered toast on the back of a cat and it'll just spin? Like, in the <laughs> air. Joe, why, why do you even introduce this concept so late into our podcast? Like, mind clear. Oh. Jasper told Octavia that it's going to be okay in season three. Should we expect something? I mean, is that foreshadowing? The fact that, they're, that they're hinting that things are not going to be okay with Octavia. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sometimes it's just like a dark spell. It's not like, it's not death necessarily, but. So if you live in a bunker and Jasper tells you it's going to be okay, it's not going to be okay. What about, so, what about you, Jen? What are, what, what's your tidbit of the week? So I love how it, the, the episode after uh, Tondi C is bombed uh, in Total Resurrection, Clark's got a hard on for killing everybody. That is even slightly associated with the mountain. So yeah. I'm going to kill all the mountain men. I'm going to kill the spotter. Um, and Lux is like, <laughs> yes, my pretty. Go kill them all. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Like, like Clark's just like, fuck it. I want to kill them. I want to kill all of them. And then she actually kills somebody. Um, and then and she's like, like, oh, this was not fun. Eh, it was all right. I mean, if I had to give it a Yelp review, probably around a four or five. <laughs> this is Clark rating her murder? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, yeah Clark's thinking, like, oh, it's going to mm. be better than it was. Yeah. It looked a lot better on paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, Shaheen. I, yeah, Shaheen. Joe is just moving us right along. Yeah, Joe's not, just, I don't have time just for like, your drunken bullshit. all y'all. <laughs> So I just wanted to point out that, um, you know, um, kind of growing back, going back to what we talked about last time, it took less than 24 hours for Bellamy's cover to be blown. So that's roughly 10 lives Clark took for every hour of Bellamy's cover. Um, She's efficient. I'll give her that. Yeah. So, I, ain't nobody had, had time for that work. bullshit. If I had to rate her work rate, pretty damn good. Um, so anyway, why do people keep telling wounded patients to stay awake? Like, Abby is like... Oh, that's a, that's a Abby is telling like, you have to stay awake. I'm like, just let him fucking sleep. No, like, it's no, not no, like no. you sleep, you die. It's, no, no, it, it is. No, that is concussion, actually... yeah, you do. No way. Yeah, yes. so you a keep them awake to, to, to monitor for, for swelling, uh, brain swelling. Um, they need to be able to like continue to talk and ask questions and be coherent. And if they're not, then they probably maybe have a brain hemorrhage. No, nope, sure, so but like them going Shaheen to sleep doesn't mean that they died. Well, that but it means that, that you die. can't be sure whether or not they are still coherent. Well, you, like, you want to keep sure on when you wake them up. Like in other words, going to sleep is not going to kill them. But it makes it a lot more time-consuming to monitor. Like, are they asleep? Are they dead? Like, then you have to go wake them up, and then they're crabby, and then you have to give them a glass of water, and somebody has to pee. Like, isn't Abby, like, pinned by debris, and she can't it, get to, to Kane to have their sexy times? Yeah. I think that's what's supposed to happen. We're supposed yeah, so, to I mean, I mean, Kane, and this goes into my well, actually, is, like, isn't Kane's, like, legs crushed or some shit like that? But everybody in this show is like, oh, I got shot in Lincoln's case. Uh, Kane is crushed by de- debris. Abby's crushed by de- debris. Uh, 
uh, Wick and Raven are blown to the fuck up, but they all have Wolverine's healing factor. They're all like fucking um, like mutants. They're Factor X mutants. I mean, I, I don't they're understand aliens, this shit. Technically, uh, it's just like, oh, we'll walk it off. I just got shot, but I'll walk it off. Like, right? Like, I kind of expected Lincoln in season three to just like get up out of that dirty mud puddle and be like, "Cool, so." <laughs> <laughs> like when when Lincoln got shot by uh by Clark. Um, oh my God! Let's not even talk about how Clark's aim is not that good. Like, <laughs> and 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 like it's just like oh good shot, and he's like fucking shot in like, dude, he shot in the chest at this. It's point, the shoulder right? meat. No, no, but on TV, if you're shot in the shoulder, you're fine. Apparently so, and 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 if we're following, well, I mean, like, it, it didn't hit show, any. Vital and, organs and then exit it. So, but, but if you're, you're he's gonna be in a lot of pain, but it's gonna be fun. <laughs> but the thing is, though, Shaheen, if you're following the logic of the show, Abby's like digging in <laughs> Lincoln's shoulder with her dirty ass finger to find that. Oh bullet. my god, Abby's oh, actually, hands. the bullet passed through. So, yeah, yeah, the but Abby is through, probing so. that wound with her dirty ass finger just because that's what <laughs> Abby does. Here, let me give you some, uh, let me give you an infection. Let me give you some, some staff. No, no. So what quick. Abby does, so so our younger listeners might not remember the days when kids got chicken pox. And what would happen is if one kid got chicken pox, your mom would send you over to that kid's house so that you could get chicken pox. Really? What Abby is doing is sort of immune uh, therapy on everyone. She's giving them just enough dirt for them to, you know, build up an immune response. And now season four, they're actually going to be immune to the radiation because they have built up this, 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 uh, white blood cell count <laughs> from Abby's Ab- dirty fingers. Abby's dirty fingers. And the, 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 uh, the stagnant water that she tries to yeah. feed the people. No, Abby's, Abby is going to be the hero of the show. Because she has made sure that all of her people have, like, gone through appropriate, you know, health trials. Can, can Am I the only... <laughs> like? No, it totally makes sense. I mean, if you don't want to get sick, you just have to start gulping down bacteria, you know? Just everyone's just going to be licking Abby's hands next season. <laughs> yeah, just like... Abby, I have cut myself. Could you stick your dirty ass finger in it? And then I'm going to bathe in like this tepid, tepid, stagnant bacterial water that you want to make your own daughter drink. Yeah. Yeah. It it helps your immune system. I mean, all of this tracks. I'm just saying. What? Joe. Joe. What if this is the way that they survive season four? That's what I'm <laughs> it just turns out it's fine. It's just like, oh, um, okay, I guess it's not that bad. <laughs> and that's Abby's, the end of the season. Abby's dirty ass <laughs> fingers and her inability to like not stop us from getting infected by her shit uh, saves us all. Yeah, I called it. Mark, mark, mark the day and the time, everyone. <laughs> if we're, if we're going to have our predictions podcast, like that's that's like number two. So okay, I have a real. Well, actually, okay, not oh, like not, these weren't real. Hi, Sarah <laughs> Shaheen. Um, all right, moving past that. Um, so no, but I mean, this is like this is. I don't know if this is funny, but, but this is a serious issue. Like, who the fuck gave the order to the Arkers to retreat? So here's the situation: <laughs> Lexa betrays Clark, and she sounds the horn the retreat horn 
and then all the grounders leave. Okay, so at this point, the archers are still under Clark's command, right? So she has to tell him to leave, but we, we never saw that. And they're like, they just take off and they're like, come on, Clark, let's go. So either she told them, you go back, I, I'm staying here, in which case they would say yes, sir, and go. Or she didn't, in which case they can't leave. Well, so, so here, so I think I think we we can we can chalk this up to budgeting. They had enough <laughs> extras for the grounder army, but they did not. They could not afford a bunch of extras in terms of sky crew army and all of our like main players, all of our like named cast and non red shirts were already occupied elsewhere. So. Clark was uh, no, but, but who gave the order? Who gave? Well, who? remember, remember, Clark was never in an official quote unquote uh, position of power. I think they were all just like, "Well, that didn't turn out well. I'm just gonna go home and like." I mean, maybe she was reassigning it. people's posts and shit. Like she was like, "You go fight over here," and or like, I mean, there has to be someone they take their orders from. Like, was it Miller's dad? Like, was you know, like who? who I told think they were all just like. They just left. I mean, you can't do these. It was just like, all right, I guess this one on the toilet. I think so. they were all just like, well, this didn't, <laughs> this didn't turn out too well. I, I, I'm just going to go home and like maybe, I don't know, watch them. Make Oprah. a cup of tea. Make, and make Clark a cup is of tea. Like, Catch up on right, the DVR. I don't even give a shit. Go ahead and desert your posts. I don't even care. Just go. And Clark just was gonna... left like left at the end like just staring at Mount Weather like thanks guys and everyone is like pieced <laughs> out on her yeah and Monroe that, that's like Monroe deserted her and like everyone is just like alright I guess we'll go home now can we take a moment to just recognize that Lexa ordered Octavia to be murdered just like oh my god she just like that can. just like she was like yeah let's just murder Octavia and and and, and uh and and Clark is like, well, you just can't order anybody to be killed. And Lex is like, well, yeah. I yeah, she's like, sure, can. I can. No, did um, you guys not find that reasonable? Like, I completely bought that as part of the character. Like, yeah, she's yeah. the fucking leader. Of course she can fucking do whatever she wants. Yeah, and, it, but and I mean, in order so to, if, like, would protect you yourself, yeah. Is this another, like, grounder-free murder pass? Like, which, would we have reacted the same way if this was a sky person? Look, you just if, like randomly ordered someone murdered. No, I mean, they, if, they're, it wasn't, they're if it wasn't sexy a problem? Lexa, we'd be like, fuck this shit. But since it's sexy Lexa, we're like, ah, <laughs> I'll give you a day pass for this. I'll give you a week pass, sexy Lexa. Oh, oh. I mean, I think in terms of like, oh, would we have cared whether or not, you know, it was a sky person condemning a grounder to die? I mean, they've already like done that or and done orders. some pretty horrible torture things. Yeah. But I think I think mm. it's still in the context of of who Lexa is, and she is the leader and owner of the free world. Like she doesn't kind of have to play by those rules. And she faces some very like really bad results if Octavia uh, reveals what happened. Like the coalition dissolving because of this information. That, I mean, yeah. that's big. That's big stuff, guys. In the middle of this assault so on Mount Weather. So you're basically justifying assassination. Yes. I assassination yes. without due process is okay as long as this sexy looks. I'm sorry. Is the United States Constitution in place right now? A due process? What the fuck are you talking about? This is Lexa. She's like, press a button, you die. That's it. Right. Got shit to do. 
Yeah, she's like she's got I, she's got ambassadors to kick out of windows. I got ambassadors to kick out of windows. I've got people to kill. I've got Clark to kiss. I don't have time for Octavia. Oh, speaking right. of so just to be clear, we're completely biased about this. Exactly. Yes. Speaking okay. of Octavia, I have to say that one of my favorite scenes of the whole fucking series is Octavia's um, sword throw and and cleats up baseball slide into that Mount Weather. Right, what guard. the fuck was that? That was what so- What the fuck was knowing, that? And no, 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 okay. Marie does all of her own How? stunts. I'm like, I want to have sex with you right now. That was so awesome. So as as someone who has, who has like, done a fair bit of, like, combat, like, physical combat, you know, martial arty kind of things, yeah. you do not become a baseball slide sword throw expert in two weeks. Like, uh, was it even two weeks? I feel like it was two days. I mean, <laughs> exactly, Shaheen. It's like, like I feel like she got like, the shit like beaten out of her, and Indra was like, "Come train with me," and then suddenly she's a fucking ninja. Well, that's what that I'm is- saying. Every time interval on this show needs to be multiplied by a factor of at least three, seven years, four, like- <laughs> five, was- sometimes ten. I, every single time I'm like, oh, this is one of my favorite scenes. I'm like, oh, but this is one of my because favorite scenes. Because it's a goddamn like, lie. It's, that scene is so fucking sexy. I mean, it's I cool as shit. It's cool as shit. Here, here's the thing. It's Please not up. too fast with respect to the story. Like, in the story, it feels like enough time passed. Like, in terms of, like, you see one episode and you see another episode, like, the changes are gradual. And if it if it were supposed to really take place uh, over like, the course of a month or six months or how, however much it takes to become that good, assuming you're like really talented and motivated, um, then it would be like, it would be boring as fuck. Like you wouldn't watch that show. So I would watch a training montage any day of the fucking week, as long oh as they put God. good music. Like, so, the thing is like, so there, there are shows where it seems like, or even on this show, sometimes it seems like things went too fast, right? Especially in season three, a lot of times it felt like it went too fast. So there are times when it, it doesn't feel like it went too fast. It's like, all right, that was perfect pacing. And then you think about it and you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That so, was just so, two fucking days. Like, so, out of that. <laughs> back, back to Joe's point, training montage. Uh, is anyone's like sexual orientation like a Jean Claude Van Damme training montage in any of his like eighties and nineties movies? Like, um, I, I am the Wet totally Hot American Summer parody training montage. That is that is my aesthetic. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to watch that to understand you more. Okay, I think you should. Yeah, but like yeah. anything like Kill Bill training montage or Kill Bill Two training yeah. montage like any Jean-Claude Van Damme any martial arts movie because I grew montage, up with Samurai Sundays uh, up in the suburbs of Chicago training montages that's my sexual aesthetic I love them but we, we kind of got that a little uh I don't know if we even got that I think we, we just have to hand wavy Octavia's hand wave uh, yeah magic magic yeah magic um but I I fucking lo- I, like I love that scene. I fucking love that scene because it's so smooth. And Marie does all of her stunts, guys. You know, Marie was just like, this isn't my body double. This is me sliding into this dude, cleats up, sliding into home. So next next podcast episode, well, 
yeah, next podcast episode, because that will be, this might be a, a two-parter, but next podcast episode, we will be covering uh, season three, episodes one through four. Um, some great and troublesome yes. episodes of season three. I feel like that's, uh, that's, that's our intro for all of season three. There will be yes. some great and troublesome moments. A love-hate relationship with season three. It's it's so hard to talk about. Um, and we'll put those in perspective and context, guys, when we get to them. Um, what are we watching? Joe? I am watching Killjoys. We, yeah. I love you. Yeah. I love Thank you. Thank you. I know. Ta- I know. Talk to uh, me about Killjoys and how awesome it is Kill and how Joys? you love me for, for recommending this show. Killjoys. So the first season started off like it's a little hokey or whatever, and then they kind of yeah. changed the credits and sort of felt felt they fell into it really well with season two. It's sort of if I had to like give it a this meets that, it's mm. sort of Firefly meets either Dollhouse or Agents of Shield or or uh, Alias, like something. It's interesting. It's, it's it's about space bounty hunters, but then there's also a huge layer of mythology that they like really sink their teeth into in the second season. So at yes. first it's, you know, space bounty hunters and like kicking ass or whatever. And then like they kind of hint that one of the characters, you know, maybe has like a deep dark. I'm going to mention this because it is a spoiler, but the fact that it has become a complete and total trope means that I am not spoiling anything, but there is fully playing into the... We have a mysterious female who is really good at kicking ass. She has a dark past where, like, she was maybe robbed of her childhood. There's a father figure who kind of still pulls her strings. Like, all of the shows do this. Yeah. Um, but fuck it. it's I, I like it. Don't, you know, threaten me with a good time. Yeah. So, again, like, I recommended the show first, uh... Joe is recommending Fucking it. TV second. hipster. I know. So people so are going to watch it So everyone is going to watch it now that Joe recommended it. But yeah. uh, they just had um, the penultimate episode to season two. Um, and it contained all the feels. So the one thing I really appreciate about, about Killjoys is that it, it has um, at its heart a platonic relationship between a man and a woman. For, for, uh, <gasps> for shame. Between, between Dutch and Johnny Jacoby. Um, where they really find their strength in one another, and oh man, I mean, they don't I put love... their peepees in one another. <laughs> no, they do not put their peepees in one another. Um, and <laughs> and like uh, Dutch finds her moral center uh, in in Johnny Jacoby, and Johnny is, you know, he, sometimes he strays from the path, uh, and he. I don't want to say betrays Dutch, but he follows his heart. And I think there's, you know, folks might find a little parallel between uh, The Hundred and Killjoys. But I think it's it's a great show. There are some, you know, it's, it's one of those shows. cheesy. Um, yes. But season two, it definitely, like, hits its stride. Exactly. But, the, you know, even even in season two, though, there, there are some throwaway episodes where I'm like, ah... You know, oh, but what's, really, um, Dolls from Winona Earp was in an episode. Yes. So that's so. Something. So they they do some unexpected things in season two where they get kind of kind of crazy. Uh, 
But there are some just great emotional uh, touch points in season two that I I really appreciate, especially between uh, Johnny and Dutch and even Davin um, as a a sexual partner to Dutch in season one, who um, doesn't continue that necessarily in season two. And it doesn't complicate things. Like, you know how, like, in normal I shows... Wait, 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 wait. Some people are going to be listening and think, like, oh, you've just spoiled something. But honestly, when the two of them meet, you're like, they're going to fuck. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's not it's even like a spoiler. There's, there's, no, there's no question that, that Dutch and, and, and Davin are going to fuck. But in season two, their relationship and their dynamic changes in a way that's really good. And they become um, found family in, in a lot of the same ways that uh, Johnny... Jacoby and Dutch become found family. And there's something really important to be said about platonic relationships between men and women that aren't really accounted for in a lot of shows. And a reason why I don't read uh, Bellark as romantic. Um, So guys, watch Killjoys. Sci-fi is doing some great stuff. And uh, Looking forward into the future, Sci-Fi is going to be doing, like, I think three new shows, Van Helsing with a, a female lead, uh, Incorporated, or Incorporation, I can't remember, um, from uh, the production company of, um, oh, shit, uh, uh, Ben Affleck and, uh, what's his Matt name? Damon. Da- Matt Damon. Um, it lo- looks really interesting. And then there's this other show, which uh, is based on Copypasta, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it looks kind of creepy and really interesting. Um, just guys, check out sci-fi, dude. They're, they're like so under the radar now. Um, and my shit is, <laughs> Joe's like, oh, I'm watching Killjoys. It's fun and it's, it's interesting and it has mythology. And I'm like, hey guys, <laughs> watch this shitty <laughs> drama on, um, uh, Freeform, uh, which I think it was uh, ABC Family called Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> I, I'm almost embarrassed that I'm into the show. Mean almost? I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> um, it's one of those trashy dramas that's like so convoluted and at times low effort uh, that that there are these little nuggets that really make me appreciate the show and just laugh out loud. I'm like, this show is so fucking stupid. I love it. Um, so pretty little liars. I think it's into season seven live right now. Uh, it's available on Netflix. I'm in season midway through season four. It's just like, I don't even know what's happening. Um, but it's just kind of fun to watch. And I think though it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily steer away from uh, LGBT controversy with one of its main characters. So sorry guys, but it's just like, well, like okay. every episode, there's like a quote that I'm like, this, this show is so fucking stupid. I love it. I would like to ask our viewers or listeners, viewers, listeners, um, if anyone watches dark matter to like, let us know if we should watch it because oh, it yeah. like gets pimped really hard on killjoys, but like, it also looks like a step below killjoys. That's what I meant yeah. to say. So killjoys is basically firefly meets Lefemme Nikita, but I'm talking the old Lefemme Nikita with Peter Wilson, like in it's like visual aesthetic. 
Oh, that's... you're not even going for the CW La Femme Nikita, which I really I enjoy. I don't talk about La Femme Nikita beyond the Peter Wilson La Femme Nikita. Oh my god, we might come to blows over this, Joe. I, I mean, love the CW version. I think I watched a few episodes and I was like, ugh. Dude, it was you like, need, it you was need to give that shit a second shot, dude. Uh, listeners, Is it worth watch. It? Yes. Oh my god, it becomes so good. And it has a it has one of the leads on 12 Monkeys too, which is so strange because I never envisioned him becoming a lead in any show based on what I saw in La Femme Nikita. Who? Or Nikita as it's just called on on the CW. Uh and, and that and that stars um Maggie Q. Right, but who who on 12 Monkeys was on La Femme Nikita? Um, shit, I, Nikita, I don't even know how to spell Niki, Niki, Nikita. <laughs> this is so horrible, I don't even know how to spell it. Oh, here we go. I love that we're listening to you just mash your keyboard, and I'm, a, I'm imagining you, like, <laughs> typing with your just pointer fingers. So, like, Aaron, Sta- so Aaron Stanford, who was Seymour, really? Burkhoff, yeah, he was Burkhoff, he huh. is... Uh, he is James Cole. He is the lead. He's yeah. the male lead on Twelve Monkeys. That's all which I wanted y'all to know. Y'all need to fucking to watch, y'all. Um, that that was great. On of course, sci-fi. Are right, you, guys? Are you watching anything, Shaheen? Um, I am watching Harmon Quest like over and over and over again. Is that? Because that- I can't get enough of it, and I'm not gonna watch anything else uh, until. This stuff's being fun, which seems like is never gonna happen. So, and that's on CISO, just right? Stuck in a I'm this just is your stuck. City of I'm life. just not gonna go watch TV anymore, guys. Except so that, for the podcast. you said that's on CISO. Yeah, um, I think that's it. Uh, until until next week, everyone. Oh my god, are you finishing this shit out again? I am, because you cannot get it together. It is 42 <laughs> minutes again. It's more than 42 minutes. It's like like nine hours and 42 minutes of this oh podcast. Oh my god. I like I'm gonna We're done. I quit. Sorry, Joe, you can't quit. I already fired you in the first part of this podcast. So until next time, guys, may we geek again.